0: up quick at
1: about
0: noon we appreciate you for tuning in downloading streaming and for listening here to the tuesday august 4th edition of the podcast we got kings basketball tonight we'll get into that we appreciate you checking us out here on the be heard platform we've got brand new episodes of the dope ones i encourage you to go check out that podcast uh really centers on uh business, entrepreneurship, uh, as well as uh, black cultural and social issues, again, go check that out. The podcast is called The Dope Ones. It's available here on the Be Heard platform. All you have to do is search Be Heard in your favorite podcast platform. And of course, you don't want to miss J Street Vibes. They post an episode after King's games, and well, they're usually pretty lively. Do some Mo got a new episode up today featuring Sam Amick. All great stuff here on the Be Heard platform. And we're looking to add new podcasts here in the coming weeks. That we'll hope uh, that you will check them out. Let's. Let's start, with, let's start with your boy. Uh, there's a lot to talk about, by the way. Tons of NBA stuff last night. Pelicans get their first win. Grizzlies lose again. We'll talk about that as well as the most electrifying man in all of sports entertainment is now the most electrifying owner. Not a team owner. A league owner. People's champ, the great one. The Rock purchases the XFL. Oh, that's solid. That is solid stuff right there, and what did Derek Jeter say about his Miami Marlins and the outbreak that has really just thrown baseball into a tailspin? Uh, we've got all that coming up, but let's start with your Sacramento Kings. as Depending on when you're listening to this, they'll be in action in a couple of hours. Uh, it's an early game today. It's an 11:30 start against the Dallas Mavericks, and Luke Walton spoke to the media yesterday, and Luke Walton and the Kings and the Kings' effort. It, you know, here's the thing as a Kings fan. You know, obviously, the Kings fans want their team to win. Every fan of a team wants their team to win. But this fan base has been scorned for so long that if you just put up an effort, like, Kings fans will buy into, you. Like, I'll I'll, I'll reference Dave Yeager's last year, the 39-win season. Team didn't even get the 500. They were better than years past, and that was enough. They saw you know, effort that they hadn't seen. They saw a style that they hadn't seen in a very, very long time. And it was like, okay, I, I believe in this team. I can get behind this. I can get behind what they're doing. It's not that the team went out and lost to San Antonio. Of course, part of it is that we get in our head, well, San Antonio is a winnable game. San Antonio was a team that the Kings should beat, which is just an absurd sentence to utter out loud, but it's what we believed. Because we believed that, I believed that the Spurs they they weren't interested in in competing for the eight spot. They wanted to get through these eight games and get home. My bad. Uh, it's the fact that they went out against Orlando, who's a who's a, who's an eight seed, who's below five hundred, and they just got mollywopped. They got the crap kicked out of them. And you look at that and you go, and I, I, I mean, I'll take some words that came straight from the text line. I'll take some words that came straight from, you know, my Twitter feed. Uh, uninspired, um, uninterested, uh, slow, no rhythm, no pace, no ball movement. All of those types of things, all of those types of phrases, all of those types of descriptions are what came up on, you know, whether it's the our, our Twitter feed here for, or our Twitter feed on on social media or it's our our text line here for the show. And it's like if you had just shown a little bit of effort. Like if you had just gone out there if you fight and you lose, that's one thing. And I think Kings fans accept that. Do they like it? No. But is the sky falling when you fight and lose? Absolutely not. The sky starts to fall when you suck. And that's what happened a couple of nights ago against the Orlando Magic. But as we said yesterday, we got ourselves wrapped up into this game of looking at the schedule and trying to determine what's, what's a tougher game than another. And we, we try to, you know, we look at schedules and we, 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 okay, this team, we could beat this team, oh, this will be a tough one, but I think we can get this one. Oh, we're, I don't know that we're going to be able to get this one. Oh, second night of a back-to-back, oh, that's going to be tough. So, so we look at schedules and we try to predict victories. And we looked at the first two games and we thought, okay, we've got to start 2-0. If we start 2-0, man, we're going to be in great shape headed into this game against Dallas. When in actuality, the fact is, no, they started 0-2. So what does that mean for the Dallas game? Well, if we continue to play the schedule game, we're going to assume that the Kings lose against Dallas tonight. Or today. or this Gosh, if they lose to Dallas this morning. The 11-30 start. When, in fact, we just got to take each game because we don't know what team is going to show up. The team that played against San Antonio played pretty well except for on the defensive end. Now, granted, that's 50% roughly of basketball and probably not a strategy that you want to take where you play really well on one side of the ball and not on the other. We've seen that for many years uh, here in Sacramento. We've seen that across the league. There are teams that have lost championships or lost opportunities at championships. Hello, Mike D'Antoni, because they didn't play on the defensive side of the ball. But that game against Orlando is what left the sour taste in everybody's mouth. And I think for me, the reason I went back to the post game on the uh, hoop ball podcast, because I wanted to play the press conference, because I knew that the press conference would garner a ton of laughs because we all knew that Luke Walton was going to talk about he was going to talk about tape or film. He was going to talk about, you know, going back to watch it later. He was virtually going to dodge every difficult question that was asked, whether it was by James Hamm, whether it was by Sean Cunningham, whether it was by our very own Jason Jones. He was going to dodge the question by acknowledging, oh, I'm just going to go watch the tape later. All right, he watched the tape. He didn't like it. I listened to his press conference yesterday, and that's kind of what he said. Yeah, yeah, I didn't like what I saw. Well, good call. You lost by like 40. But that's that's good to know, or at least you were down by 40 at some point. Not even 40. You were down by a lot. You get where I'm going here. Hyperbole. Uh, But there's a particular part of Luke Walton's podcast that, or of Luke Walton's I don't think Luke Walton is hosting a podcast yet. He he may be soon though. Uh, there was a particular part of Luke Walton's press conference that got my attention, and I wanted to play it for
1: you. Yeah, we're looking at some things, but it, it, it's definitely not a panic button, James. This this uh, this whole eight game tournament for me is is let's let's um let's continue to build and continue to grow, and we want to win. Um, but we're not gonna you know we're not gonna panic and and try to you know blow everything up like we understand the circumstances of what we're at uh, where we're at living in a bubble everything else um this a this is a great opportunity for for again for us to inspire um, bring people together now you know with with the sport of basketball and then personally for our team to grow so we're gonna keep uh, you know that as the priority um but yet we're, you know we're looking at some different rotation lineup changes, um our group grouping changes uh as we prepare for Dallas
0: grouping changes so luke walton thinks that the kings are bringing people together through basketball and if you took one look on kings twitter the other night you realize he is right he has brought people together uh, just not in the Kumbaya way, I believe he is he is talking about. Luke Walton is a fascinating figure, and I think our insight into Luke Walton is probably his dad. Whether that's fair or not, I think it's accurate. Like we know that Bill Walton is a very, you know, carefree, you know, just man of the world type of guy. And I'm a man of the people, and everything is great, and I'm gonna find the positive and stuff. I think Luke Walton carries. A little bit of that same, I think Luke Walton carries a little bit of that same way of thinking in that he's going to try to find the positive in anything or in everything, and he's never going to get, it appears to me, he's never going to get particularly angry, which is something I think a lot of fans, it's something that I would have liked, particularly following that game against Orlando. I would have loved for him to get to the podium, and I'm not talking about cuss and you know, hoop and hype and throw things around. I'm just talking about showing a little bit of emotion about how poorly your team played. Just acknowledging that this is unacceptable. We cannot have this. We will not continue to have this. We won't continue to make the same mistakes that we made through the course of the regular season. We have a golden opportunity in front of us. You're talking about growing and building. Dude, all you have to do is get within... Four games. You're already within four games. You've lost your first two here. And you're still only three and a half back. You've lost your first two here. Memphis has lost all three. We'll talk about that in a minute. You've got two games coming up against New Orleans. Can you please acknowledge that maybe you just want to beat New Orleans? Can you acknowledge that maybe you're interested slightly in ending this this playoff drought that Sacramento Kings fans have been experiencing. And if you don't want to, we talked about this yesterday, if you don't want to put the weight of the history of the franchise on your shoulders, that's completely okay. Maybe the next step, maybe the next evolution of your basketball team is to make the playoffs. And given the fact that you're not going to have to play 82 games to make the playoffs this year, given the fact that you're not actually going to have to finish with a top eight record to make the playoffs this year, maybe... Maybe show a little sense of urgency for this. Maybe realize that you were gifted an opportunity by the National Basketball Association, who in my mind should have made it a top 16 seed uh, tournament or or, a regular playoffs is a better way of stating. They should have just started the playoffs when they started the bubble. But I get, I get why you didn't. You could create more intrigue. You get more games. Plus, Teams like the Los Angeles Lakers, the Milwaukee Bucks, the Clippers, some of those top-seeded teams like the Houston Rockets, I'm sure they would have loved a handful of scrimmage games, if you will, and that's essentially what many of them are in, though it looks like they're going full force at them. We saw the Lakers clinch the number one spot last night. We'll get into that in just a minute. But if you're listening here on Tuesday morning, the fact is the Kings are going to play at 11.30. And they've got a lot of good things going for them. Believe it or not, I know that sounds crazy. They got a lot of good things going for them into this game, and I'll explain why. Dallas is 2-10 in games that are decided by three points or less. That's the worst record of any team in the bubble. Dallas is 14-23 in games that enter clutch time. Clutch time is defined as within five in the final five minutes. That's the second worst team uh, of anyone in the bubble. The Pelicans are the only one. That is worse. Dallas has lost 13 games after leading by double digits. Those are a couple of notes on the way that Dallas plays. All the Kings have to do is not do what they did the other afternoon, Sunday afternoon against Orlando. We know, we think, that they're capable of better than they playing better than they played against Orlando. What do we need to see? Well, we need to see Buddy not try to be the hero. We need to see Buddy not try to find that hot streak. We need to see De'Aaron create. We need to see guys in those Sacramento Kings uniforms that everybody purchases at the team store to support their favorite player. We need to see those guys get to the foul line regularly. They shot 81% from the foul line, but they only got there 22 times. They need to get there more frequently. They need to continue to hit them. They need to continue to hit their free throws with that frequency, but they need to get there more. They need to get to the foul line about 30 times. And they need to hit with that 80% frequency. Get to the foul line. Let De'Aaron dictate things. Run plays for Buddy. Run, put Buddy, stand there, right there. Don't move until the ball is in your hands and you can shoot. Don't try to penetrate and create a better shot. Don't try to dictate something. Once you get, once you touch the ball, shoot it. It's as simple as that. Run a play. And as absurd as it sounds, given what we saw last night, I think the Kings got a chance to beat the Dallas Mavericks today. I think they got a good chance to beat the Dallas Mavericks today. And those are my famous last words on the Sacramento Kings. I say that partly because of what I saw last night with the with the Pelicans and the Grizzlies, which which both teams entered 0-2. Are the Kings going to be the Grizzlies? Because <laughs> the Grizzlies now are 0-3. And we saw the uh, emergence... Uh, I think Deuce Mason was trying to get uh hashtag free Zion uh, trending all over the world, or maybe it already was trending all over the world, and Deuce Mason was just talking about it. Uh, but if that was the case, it worked. Uh because they let Zion loose a little bit last night. He played 25 minutes, 23 points, seven rebounds, five assists. Uh he was he was he was out there. He was ready to go. He played in clutch time. Uh, he played in he played a ton of minutes in the fourth quarter. I think he played Let me find, I took a note here. He played 10 minutes in the fourth quarter after playing four minutes and 41 seconds in the fourth quarter in the first two games combined. He took 21 shots. Oh, that was a season high. He took 21 shots yesterday. That's the most he's taken. I guess you say it's a season high. It's the most he's taken in his NBA career. Uh, Brandon Ingram, very good last night. Again, 24 points, seven rebounds and five assists. The Pelicans are now two and a half games back of the Memphis Grizzlies.
1: Uh,
0: The way the schedule, or excuse me, the way the standings look right now, uh, the Grizzlies are 32 and 36. They have lost all three games since the restart has begun. Uh, The Blazers are right behind them. They're two games back. The Spurs are two games back. The Pelicans are two and a half games back. And your Sacramento Kings are, are three games back. The Suns, they're three and a half games back. So Zion uh, cut loose a little bit yesterday, uh, got everybody's attention. Uh, they're on a four-game losing streak, by the way, they're being the Memphis Grizzlies, they're on a four-game losing streak. If you go back to uh, the regular season, uh, the Pelicans have lost two games uh, in the restart entering yesterday's game against the New Orleans Pelicans. They were able to snap that. We'll see what the Kings are able to do. They've lost two headed into the game against Dallas today. The Lakers, they defeated the Utah Jazz 116-108. to Uh, They have clinched the Pacific Division title. And they'll also be the top seed in the Western Conference. This is the fifth time a LeBron James-led team is the number one seed in the playoffs. The last two times that this occurred, his team won the NBA championship. Yesterday's game, though, was all about Anthony Davis. 42 points and 12 rebounds. It was his 29th 40.10 rebound game, breaking a tie with James Harden for the most in the NBA since Anthony Davis entered the league in 2012-2013. It's also tied uh, with Larry Bird and Carl Malone for the third most such games since the NBA-ABA merger. Also of note, uh, Monday was the 12th time that LeBron James and Anthony Davis have combined for over 60 points in a game this season. The Lakers have won all 12 of those games. Spurs continue to play phenomenal basketball, uh, but they lost uh, last night 132-130 to against the Philadelphia 76ers. Joel Embiid 27-9-5. Uh, that is his fourth 25-5-5 and game this season. The Philadelphia 76ers are 5-1 in games versus the Spurs with Joel Embiid in the lineup. Uh, DeMar DeRozan continues to play well. He had 30 points. That's his 10th 30-point game this season. Interestingly enough, though, DeMar DeRozan, his 10th 30-point game this season. The Spurs are 2-8. In those 10 games, Rudy Gay, don't you dare brew Rudy Gay. 24 points off the bench uh, for Rudy Gay, who I'm still a fan of. Man, they almost pulled... By, by the way, the, the, for, for those who didn't see it, the 76ers hit a go-ahead three with... Gosh, it was like seven seconds left. Six, seven seconds left. And that's how the Spurs lost. The Spurs, I I just... I. My bad. I don't even know what else to say other than my bad. Sometimes you just got to eat your words and be wrong. And I didn't. I I didn't think they wanted to play. I I mean, I thought they just wanted to get this over with. You believe it? Could you imagine if it's the imagine if it's the Spurs that get the playoff spot after the year they had? You kept waiting for that run to happen. You kept waiting for them to make their charge. It never comes. And here you get four and a half months off. You get a little restart. You get an opportunity to have a play-in what would ultimately be, and unless Memphis just continues to lose, a play-in series of two games against Memphis, and they get in. That would just be, would just be phenomenal. But at the rate the Grizzlies are going, they're not going to have to play a play-in series. They're just going to lose their way out of it. Uh, the Nuggets and Thunder battled an overtime Last night, uh, 121, 113, the Nuggets get to win, get the win. They, I don't know why. I'm having, I'm having trouble speaking today. I, I, I don't know what the problem is. I had it. So I had it like I had everything set up for the show, and it was just kind of those one, one of those mornings where multiple things go wrong. And the way I have my morning structured is I, I don't like, I can't, I can't have things go wrong. Like everything is like timed to a T. To make sure that the podcast gets posted at seven o'clock, uh, to make sure the write-ups are done, to make sure all the social media stuff for uh, not just the podcast, but for uh, the, the the Deuce and Mo podcast and J Street Vibes and the dope ones and all of that stuff uh, gets out there onto all of our platforms. And it was like, oh wait a minute, something's wrong with my recording program. I've got to I've got to reset my entire computer. Oh well, now I've got to reset the settings in my. It was just one of those mornings. It's like, come on, man we got we, we got business to do. We got basketball to talk about. We got an eleven thirty Kings game, and I, and part of me was thinking, man, I should I should have recorded this show last night and like posted it at midnight because I realized that uh, podcast downloads for our network are gonna just kind of stop for about two and a half hours because everybody is gonna be uh, in front of the television watching the Kings game, and understandably so, are in front of their mobile device or listening on the radio or whatever the case may be. Um, but I, I, th- I thought about that last night, like, like maybe you should record, you know, once the Lakers jazz came to, it, I thought maybe I should record today's show or tomorrow's show today. Maybe I should go record it right now and have it ready for people at like, just some like at midnight, like, Hey, we recorded, you know, at 1030 last night. So everybody can get the show in. Cause I see two, there are two big just to go like inside baseball here. There are two really big spikes in downloads. There, there, there used to be three, but it's kind of, it's kind of changed over you know the course of like the last six months. Obviously, when the show first posts, there's a big you know a big rush of jou- downloads, and then it kind of settles. And then there was, there used to be a big spike at twelve, which I always thought was cool because it was people who used to listen to you know my show at noon, and they just they just went back to it. And then now that's kind of more evolved where you'd see like a steady stream of downloads in the afternoon and there'd be a big spike. I assume, I guess people have, I I don't know. This is one that I've scratched my head about for a while is I guess people have gone back to work, like have actually gone back to traveling to and from the office because there's another big spike like between four and six. And I just like that ended. Like that ended for like two months. There was there was just this. There was always the spike when the show first loaded, and then there was just like a steady stream. And there, I mean, there were times like when the pandemic had just begun, where I'd see like our biggest downloads would be at like ten, like ten p.m., like ten p.m., nine p.m. They'd be at weird hours that didn't really that I never, I couldn't really get a grasp on. Like I was always able to figure out where, you know, like when there were certain pockets of major downloads, like how that happened or why that happened, I was never able to figure out the 10 p.m., 11 p.m. download thing. But yeah, so there's more about podcast downloads than I'm sure you ever wanted to know. Uh, But that's just, I'm, I'm just deviating from the fact that I'm having trouble speaking today. And I've got all of these stats and numbers and stories in front of me. And now once you, once you start stuttering through something, or not necessarily stuttering, but not delivering your point in the most fluid way, it starts to get in your head a little bit. And you, like, now I'm just, I'm just talking. There's no notes in front of me. I'm just sharing stuff with you. I'm just sharing you know, downloads with you, podcast analytics with you. And I'm trying to avoid getting back to this Nuggets 121-113 victory because I'm afraid I'm just going to stumble through it. Uh, The Nuggets were down by seven with three minutes and 36 seconds left. And the Thunder, uh, they outscored the Thunder 25 to 10 the rest of the game. Skinny Jokic, 30, 12, and 10. Skinny Jokic with the triple-double, his 13th triple-double of the season. You guys know I love triple-doubles. That is his seventh career 30-point triple-double. trails only Uh, Wilt Chamberlain and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar for the most by seven-footers in NBA history. Those are the most triple-doubles by skinny seven-footers in NBA history. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar doesn't get enough love for how great he was. He really doesn't. Like, he was phenomenal, and his accolades are untouched. But I feel like he's net. We always reference Bill Russell if someone wants to go, you know, hot take, old school, respect the you know, respect the history of the league. They always mention Bill Russell and they don't mention Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, which I think is a fascinating thing. Uh, but the guy who got Sacramento Kings fans' uh, attention last night as well as the rest of the league's attention is Michael Porter Jr. 37 points and 12 rebounds. The first Nuggets rookie with a 35-10 and 10 game since Carmelo Anthony did it in 2004. Michael Porter Junior, 37-12, and 12. if that young man emerges to even remotely close to what people thought he would be uh, before getting injured, watch out, man, watch out. The last two trivia question for you. Who were the last two Nuggets? Who were the first pair of Nuggets teammates with 30 points and 10 rebounds in a game? Who were the last pair of Nuggets teammates to have 30 points and 10 rebounds in a game? Anybody? Bueller? Bueller? Three, two, one. Alex English and Kiki vandaway on December 23rd, 1982. Chris Paul uh, missed a go-ahead free throw with 2.9 seconds left in regulation. He had 23 and 8. Chris Paul has been so good Uh, For the Oklahoma City Thunder. Uh, What has not been good. Is. Well. The luck. Of. Pitchers. Maybe not the luck. Maybe the health. Of pitchers. uh, Particularly aces across Major League Baseball. Shohei Atani was ruled out. Yesterday for four to six weeks. He had two terrible starts. Because he's injured. But he had had two awful starts. They sent him uh to the IR list or the is it is it the injured or the IL list I guess the injured list uh for 4 to 6 weeks uh with a forearm injury now we've got Mike Sorco who suffered a torn Achilles tendon he is out for the season he was the Braves young ace this is all on top of Justin Verlander who is missing time uh with a forearm injury he said that the reports that he is out for the entire season are false uh, Steven Strasburg is out with a hand injury. Corey Kluber is out with a shoulder injury. And, oh, by the way, Chris Sale, Luis Severino, and Noah Syndergaard, they all underwent Tommy John surgery prior to the season starting. And then, of course, as we reported yesterday, Eduardo Rodriguez, who finished sixth in the uh, AL Cy Young voting last year, he's out with the COVID-19-related heart issue. My goodness. That's a lot of aces. What is that? Five, three, nine? Did I count that right? Nine top pitchers in Major League Baseball are out uh, with a variety of injuries. I still, every day, I, I look at baseball thinking, oh, uh, the, the end is near. Uh, but they continue to play. Uh, what do we got tonight? We got the we've got the Mets and the Nationals. I it's still like I'm not watching baseball now. I it, like when when baseball started when, when the opening night was here. I was all about it. I was like, hey, okay, let's go. It's baseball. Let's go. Of course, it was disastrous with the rain delay and all of these different things. And now it's like, yeah, I'm good. I don't have any interest in watching. Like I'm looking Mets and Nationals. I'm good. NBA is on tonight. The WNBA is on tonight. Hard pass for me. And I keep looking at baseball like, you guys are so dumb. You guys are so... You had the world all to yourself. You had kicked around the idea of a bubble. You had kicked around the idea of multiple regional bubbles. I think the NFL is ultimately going to throw their face against a brick wall when they realize that their strategy of not only operating in non-bubble fashion, but I'm assuming we saw the Las Vegas Raiders announce that they weren't going to allow fans into their brand-new stadium for the first year in Las Vegas. Now, that is a decision made by the Las Vegas Raiders. But there are other teams, franchises, that have already publicly said, yeah, we're going to try to get a percentage. Baltimore has said, we're going to try to get a percentage of fans into our stadium. A number of other teams have said, we're going to try to get a percentage of fans into our stadium. Hell, Jacksonville's in Florida. Jacksonville, Miami, Tampa Bay, they're probably going to try to go pack stadiums because that's the way Florida operates. But I think ultimately the NFL is going to wind up kicking themselves for not going with a bubble or at least a regional bubble-like atmosphere. They had all of this time to put a plan together and didn't because they're arrogant. That's my opinion, of course. I believe that they're arrogant enough to believe that a global pandemic wouldn't dare screw with the NFL. America wants its football. By the way, my my Jerry Jones is dead theory caught. It it, kind of caught on. Like I was saying it. You know how when people say something and then they go, oh, I was just kidding because they they said it and they wanted to gauge the room and the room didn't react the way that they did, so they go, oh, I was just playing. I was kidding. He's <laughs> telling jokes. See, part of me is, like, when I said it, I was like, okay, this is absurd to think that Jerry Jones is dead and we don't know it. But then the number of people who responded with, you know, that actually makes complete sense. Makes me want to puff my chest out and go, you know, I think we need to get a Dallas reporter on the phone and find out, has anyone gotten a text message? Has anyone FaceTimed with Jerry? Has anybody spoken off the record with Jerry Jones in the last two and a half months. Because I, I've said there are three options. Jerry hates black people far more than we could have ever imagined. And I don't believe that that's the case. He's dead. Or he's sick. It has to be one of those three. And I don't believe that it's the first one. I think Jerry has his faults. And maybe Jerry Jones... Maybe Jerry Jones does have a bit of racism circulating in the blood of his body. But I don't believe he hates black people so much that he has stayed silent for two and a half months. It has to be something else. It has to be. And you know I don't like Jerry Jones. so It has to be something else. It has to be one of the other two. He's sick or he's dead. He didn't even comment on The Rock buying the XFL yesterday. How did The Rock buy the XFL? Well, I can tell you. Because I did a little research. The Rock was able to purchase the XFL, or the, as Mike Florio called it, the carcass of the XFL, for only $15 million. Now, I want to point out two things. One, I absolutely 1,000% believe the XFL would have worked in 2001 had they made some small changes. Some small change in it. And had they given it a full go, uh, in the second year, I think they could have done it. The, the restart that ended earlier this season because of, you know, the global pandemic was a thousand percent going to work. The ratings, uh, for the opening weekend were, they were pretty high. They exceeded all expectations. They certainly weren't the 30 million that we saw on NBC or whatever it was back in 2001, which, promptly plummeted in the weeks to follow. But we did see, I think it was about $3.5 which is on par for like a TNT NBA game. Like that's a good number to draw in the middle of the freaking afternoon on a Saturday. And they kind of leveled out to about, I think like a million and a half as things were shutting down. And that's on pace for like most college football games that are on ESPN during that same you know time slot at a different time of the year. I think the NFL, or excuse me, I think the XFL would have been better suited not to start the week after the Super Bowl. I think they would have been better suited to start maybe a month later, maybe after you've had the opportunity to miss football. But if The Rock is really going to do something with, oh, and how did he cop it for only $15 million? The Rock and his business partner, Danny Garcia, and uh, their... um, they have a financial firm, you know, backing the purchase of this bidding or ba- ba- backing the purchase, uh, this purchase. They bid on it, and it turns out there were no other qualified bidders. That's how The Rock got it. The Rock was the Rock, and his group were the only ones to bid on the franchise. And so, The Rock now owns the XFL. What does that mean? Who knows. The Rock said, the hell with owning a sports team. I'm just going to buy this whole league and turn it into something. The Rock's production company, they know how to produce television. And I would wonder, you know, we joked about this, I think it was last week, where we were talking about how Vince McMahon was attempting to include his contracts, his television contracts with Fox and ESPN as part of the sale. And the, the ESPN and Fox were like, well, wait a minute. The Fox was like, well, we'll we need to amend the deal. And, you know, we'll kind of see who purchases the company and, and, and what we can do. But we're not committing to the time slots that we gave Vince McMahon. See, we gave Vince McMahon those time slots because we've done business with Vince McMahon. How does ESPN and Fox feel now that the biggest Hollywood superstar of the last decade has purchased the XFL. Oh, I'm sure both of those companies are ready to jump in bed uh, with the people's champ, but the rock now owns the XFL. The purchase of course requires like uh, court approval. Um, There are a number of other things uh, that go into this, but $15 million. And here's the other thing I can't, they filed for bankruptcy, right? The XFL filed for bankruptcy. So When you file for bankruptcy in what you, the, the, you know, you have an entity that is being sold in bankruptcy court. Like, what does this ultimately mean? Where does the $15 million go? Does it go to like, cause I think about Vince McMahon and I think about, you know, in 2018, when this all started, when the XFL thing, when the XFL relaunch all started and the conversations about it all started, I remember reading regularly in the wrestling observer, how, Vince McMahon had sold like, you know, a certain amount of, of, of shares. And I feel like that, that total was like in the hundred million dollar range and it was to sink money into the XFL. So the debts are forgiven. So any, you know, debt that the XFL parent company has, and I forgot what it's called. I think it's called like alpha, alpha entertainment. I think is what it's called. The debts are forgiven. Right. That's what bankruptcy is. Right. Like I declare bankruptcy. That's like your debts are forgiven. That's what Michael Scott was trying to do. He was trying to get all of his debts from his magic sets and his Muppet DVD sets. He was trying to get those debts forgiven. But what happens like where does the 15 million dollars go? Does it if the debts are forgiven, does this money just go to Vince McMahon? Did Vince McMahon just sell something to The Rock for 15 million dollars? Something that he sunk hundreds of millions of dollars into? And does The Rock just flex on him now? Does The Rock like stand over Vince McMahon and just look down on him? Of course, The Rock would never do that because The Rock is significantly bigger than Vince McMahon. And I think The Rock uh, has a tremendous amount of pre- appreciation for what Vince uh, helped him do and what Vince uh, has done. You know, he's a third generation wrestler, obviously, with Soul Man Rocky Johnson the high chief, Peter Maivia, all having a long legacy in the WWF slash WWE. But it is a hell of a flex. And you think about successors to the WWF. What if The Rock just walks in and goes, hey, Vinny, how about The Rock purchases your shares to WWE Entertainment? Or whatever. What is it? That? That, that doesn't matter. Yeah, I think that is what it's called. WWE Entertainment. You just don't say World Wrestling Entertainment Entertainment. It's WWE Entertainment and World Wrestling Entertainment. I'm full of all sorts of useless crap today. Is there any chance that like on Vince's deathbed, he would sell his shit? So we're talking, is it going to be Triple H? Is this in Stephanie? and Shane, and Triple H is the hierarchy, and he's next in line when we find out there's like a secret contract between Dwayne Johnson and 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 Vince McMahon that says right before Vince dies, he sells all of his shares, or upon Vince's death, he sells all of his shares to Dwayne Johnson, and Dwayne Johnson now becomes the primary owner of World Wrestling Entertainment. I saw... I watched a little bit of what happened last night on WWE, and Jesus, Mary and Joseph. I, I've said this before. I don't know that I can continue to do this Patreon stuff. When I saw the 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 Raw Underground thing, dude, that is a diff- You've heard the phrase, the show has jumped the shark. Fam, that is an entirely different type of shark. And they jumped that bitch. Oh, my gosh. Like, it was... I mean, I, like, I hate when it's insulting. Like when there are two things that are insulting as a wrestling fan. One, a great example is the, the thing that is going on with um, Adam Cole and, and uh, the kicker, Pat McAfee. Like, okay, you're trying to convince us that what we saw was, as they like to say, it was a shoot. It was real. It wasn't scripted. Like, no. It was I, like Pat McAfee isn't skilled enough to pull off what's called a worked shoot. It's when a worked shoot is when they're trying to make you believe something is real. Like they're going out of their way. They're using real life situations to make you believe that what you're seeing is not scripted. And Pat McAfee isn't skilled enough to do that. And it was obvious that what was taking place was storyline-driven. And that's insulting as a wrestling fan because you've got Triple H talk like, oh, this was, this was real, and you got Pat May- It's like, okay, now you're, now you're just being, stop playing us, like, stop. Like, like it's cool to do a storyline and run a storyline and, like, let us watch a storyline develop. But don't, like, prance around going, oh, that was real, that was real, that was real. Because the first time you start screaming that was real, wrestling fans automatically know it's fake. The other thing that is really obnoxious, as a wrestling fan, we know what we're watching. We're not watching a fight, and we understand that. We're watching a performance. But when you try to convince us that we're watching a fight, like, when you make things... Like the brawl for all. Like the brawl for all was real. By all accounts, the brawl for all was very real. And it was stupid. It was awful. And now you've got this raw underground thing, which is built to look like... Like it legitimately was built to look like Fight Club. And you're watching this like, okay, what am I... What am I supposed to believe here? Like, what am Are you trying to... Like, is this supposed to be... Are you trying to convince me this is real? Just because you... Dirtied up the area and took the ring ropes off like I'm supposed to believe that or am I just supposed to watch it like a normal show? What the hell am I looking at? And then they've got like some new faction that was supposed to debut throwing like multiple cocktails outside like what, what is happening? Who writes this crap? Or as my favorite podcast would say who books this shit? And we all know who books it. It's the guy who does the podcast, Brother Love, booked this. Um, yeah. If you didn't see any part of the Fight Club last night, or what is it called, Raw Underground, go to YouTube and see it. Oh, it's 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 something, and it's like this it is like Shane McMahon. The the the, the, the I guess the, I guess the funny thing for inside wrestling fans is Shane McMahon before the Ultimate Fighter aired. Shane McMahon wanted to buy the UFC. Shane McMahon was pleading with Vince McMahon to buy the UFC. And Vince thought about it. And he ultimately wouldn't do it because he couldn't control the outcome. Like when you think about what's happened with Ronda Rousey or when Ronda Rousey was fighting. When you think about her and you think about the fact that she was a massive money draw and then she gets kicked in the head by Holly and it's all over. Vince McMahon wouldn't allow that to happen. He wouldn't allow Ronda to get kicked in the head until he knew that Ronda couldn't draw any money more. Ronda was still the top draw. And he did he's like I can I can't, I can't control the outcomes like what what would happen if a if a, if someone gets hot and then they wound up getting beat. But with with uh, with the loss to Holly with Ronda Rousey, you still had the comeback story. So you still had something to build around. Is is Ronda Rousey still a draw in her comeback match against Amanda Nunez? And Amanda just beat the holy hell out of her and Ronda's career was over. Vince McMahon does not operate like that. He does not leave things up to chance. Now, granted... And sometimes in the decisions he makes, they're wrong, but he wants to have the decisions. So that was the kind of chuckle part for inside wrestling fans to see Shane McMahon hosting this fight club, knowing 20 something years ago, it was Shane McMahon that pleaded with his father to buy the UFC before the Fertitta brothers bought it. And Dana White became the, um, the figurehead in charge. Derek Jeter, by the way, check out, I know I mentioned this at the top of the show. I want to remind you to check out the rest of the podcast on the Be Heard platform. Just search Be Heard in whatever podcast platform you use. Uh, check out the dope ones. Uh, I know that's not a sports podcast. Most of you are sports junkies. Uh, just take a listen to something different. Uh, there's there's conversations about being an entrepreneur. It's really, really solid. Shoot me your feedback on it if you've had an opportunity to listen to it. We just posted the latest episode Uh, yesterday 916-888-5898 most of you've got the number locked in by now if you don't 916-888-5898 Derek Jeter says his players let up and they paid the price for it he blames the team's COVID-19 outbreak on a collective quote false sense of security that made the Marlins lax about social distancing and wearing masks 21 members of the traveling party, including 18 players, have tested positive and have shut games down around the league, games involving involving the Philadelphia Phillies. Now we've got a situation brewing with the St. Louis Cardinals. I believe yesterday I told you the number was 27 games had been postponed, uh, three of them due to rain, 24 of them due to this COVID-19 outbreak almost directly, not almost, directly related to Uh, to the Miami Marlins, and they'll be back in action. Barring a change, uh, they'll be back in action today. Derek Jeter said that um, it's impossible to know where the first Marlins player became infected and how the coronavirus reached the clubhouse. However, Major League Baseball did say they know who the first person on the Miami Marlins to test positive was, and they believe that that was the person that introduced the virus into the clubhouse. Derek Jeter continued to say, and I quote, our guys were not running all around town in Atlanta. We did have a couple of individuals leave the hotel. We had guys leave to get coffee, to get clothes. A guy left to have dinner at a teammate's house. Uh, There were no guests on site. There was no salacious activity. There was no hanging out at bars, no clubs, no running around Atlanta, end quote. That is from Derek Jeter. I probably should have uh, thrown this into the NFL conversation since it is an NFL story. But as I mentioned earlier, I'm a bit of a mess this morning. Uh, the NFL and the NFL Players Association have reached an agreement on changes to the collective bargaining agreement. Now that's we 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 expected this. This isn't you know a surprise. They had agreed to the uh, the changes uh, over the course you know steadily over the course of the last week enough to where. Uh, I think it was late last week or the middle of last week, it was announced publicly that they have agreed to uh, changes on the collective bargaining agreement, and that includes how you know the salary cap could change over the course of the next four years, how any losses occurred this season because of not having fans in place or potential losses from TV revenue, how that'll stretch over the course of the next handful of seasons. And obviously this this all took place before reporting to training camp and they wanted to get these things outlined and that involves COVID-19 testing and things like that. But one thing that hadn't been signed off on was the day that players could opt out. And because it wasn't signed off on, they had originally agreed to a date, uh, I think a week down the road. Where are we, August? Yeah, I think it was about a week and a half down the road. And because... That revision wasn't executed. They, they being the NFL, revised the deadline. Now, after seemingly days of player after player after player opting out of the upcoming season, the NFL has revised the deadline. It is now 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on Thursday. And if you opt out, if you make the decision by Thursday to not be a part of the NFL season. That decision is not reversible. You can't go after like training camp is over and go, okay, who's ready for some football. I'm ready to go. That's something that they are, are, are not allowing. Once you've opted out, uh, you have opted out and it's a wrap for you. So I, I thought it was interesting that, you know, after I think we're up to what eight Patriots have opted out and we're saying player after player after player, uh, opt out. We haven't seen, you know, we've seen really, really good players opt out. We haven't seen any major names opt out. We haven't seen game-changing, eye-popping, the NFL should be concerned, names opting out. I'm sure they're concerned by the number of players opting out. Uh, but their cash cows, like their star quarterbacks, uh, they are all still there, though many of them are on the COVID-19 list. That doesn't mean that they've tested positive for COVID-19. It could also mean that they've been around someone who's tested positive for COVID-19 and they're taken away from their team uh, for precautionary reasons only. I think that includes Matt Stafford. We mentioned Gardner Minshew uh, yesterday. I hope the NFL can do it. I just, given what we've seen in baseball, I don't see how. I don't see how anything works in a non-bubble environment. And I think the most, if the NFL fails, they would be by far like the worst of all the leagues because they had the most time. Their off season had just, started when this global pandemic began and therefore they've had the most time to plan what they were going to do for their upcoming season for them to go about just business as normal if business at normals fails them uh, they have no one to blame but themselves appreciate you so much for tuning in if you want to rock your more than a podcast t-shirt head over to the dope ones.com uh today you should see some new be heard merchandise including merchandise for the deuce and mo podcast uh as well as be heard face mask more than a podcast face mask all sorts of great stuff over there on the dope you can check out the be heard collection and let everybody know who and what you represent thanks for sticking with me today even though i stumbled through half the stories the kings and the mavericks coming up at eleven uh we'll have full coverage for you immediately following the game over on the Sacramento Kings podcast on the Hootball Podcast Network. And of course, we will cover it for you here tomorrow on the podcast with Damian Barling.